frequency of heaven I want to be Hello and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. This is Pastor Caleb Plum. It is August 22nd, 2022, and uh, I'm down here in the church park enjoying God's creation. You might hear some of the nature in the background of this recording, uh, but that's okay. And um, it's a beautiful day. I pray that you are encouraged, and I pray if you're not encouraged, maybe this podcast would would help you in some way just to get more and more on the frequency of heaven. I want to pray, and we're going to get into some scripture and talk about seeking God's face. Heavenly Father, um, I know for a fact I have so much more to learn about what it means to seek your face. Forgive us for our violence. Forgive us for our wickedness. Forgive us for our our constant um, (laughs) distractions that we give our mind to. We want to be worshipers who, as it says in Psalm uh, 105, who seek your face always. God, we, we have a long way to go to get there, but we want to be those who seek your face always. So we pray for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit and fire. We pray for a fresh outpouring. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Draw us. Go deep into that place. There's a place inside of us where our our heart it's it's longing to seek your face, and we don't know it because we're we're in the flesh a little bit too much. So God, erase that and and wipe that away. Draw us to hunger to seek your face like never before. In Jesus' name, <laughs> this is John chapter five, verse forty three. It says, after two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. They had seen the work of his hands, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Did they want him because he was God? Did they want to put their faith in him? Did they want to make him the object of their affection, of their worship? Or did they just want miracles and to have their needs met? Well, let's keep reading. Once more, he uh, visited Cana and Galilee where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come heal his son who was close to death. Now, up until this story, this just sounds like a very normal day in the life of Jesus. He's out doing his thing and... People have heard of his power and his might and his fame. So, of course, if they have a need, especially if you have a son who is, or a daughter who's about to die, you're going to go and you're going to see if Jesus can help them. If all the doctors have failed, um, there's no reason to, I mean, you know, based on the stories and the testimonies of others, if you got a shot, let's go ask this Jesus. But Jesus is going to say something that sounds indifferent or maybe rude or uh, lacks compassion. But it's because he's Jesus. It's because he sees the heart of man that sometimes we want his hand to come fix our lives or whatever. I am probably more guilty than anybody listening. 
But we're not seeking his face because we love him, because we want to give him our affection, because he's king of kings and lord of lords. We want to worship him. We want to make him our everything. No, sometimes we just, we want him to fix our lives. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Now, one side note here. I love how you have Jesus healing people. Sometimes he'll spit, make mud. Sometimes he will go over and touch someone. He touched the man with leprosy in Mark chapter 1. Sometimes he'll say a prayer and the prayer will, will go. Sometimes he does this. He doesn't pray. <laughs> this is how he's king of kings and lord of lords. He is God over sickness and disease in every way. He doesn't pray, doesn't go see the kid, doesn't preach, doesn't have a worship song. He just says, go, your son will be well. And when did the son get well? Well, let's keep reading. The man took Jesus at his word. He had faith in Jesus' power. He had faith in Jesus as a miracle worker. Is that all that Jesus is looking for? While he was still on the way, his servants met him with news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So the end of the passage says it wasn't till after his son was healed that this man put his faith in Jesus. And that's what Jesus was basically rebuking the people for. You, you can't just read the prophets. You can't listen to John the Baptist who says he's coming. This is the Lamb of God. You can't have faith in who Jesus is through his teaching. You have to have all these extra things. I'm, I'm that way, you know? It's like, Jesus, what have you done for me lately? And then I have seen sometimes these great things of the Lord, but now I'm going through something rough and I have forgotten that, you know, a year ago God did this. And I, I was thinking the other day how before we moved here, I was fretting and worrying and just trying to put the sale of our home in Iowa in God's hands. And when God came through, the way he came through, this was just nine months ago. Um, actually, I guess it was 11 months ago that, that um, it started, it all went hap and happened. And I was fretting and worrying. And I remember when it all came through and it was awesome and God answered prayer and it was so sudden, it was special. It was, I don't know if it was a miracle or not, but it's like, wow, I, I should never doubt God again. <laughs> but then the next trial comes and um, I, I was like, Lord, you know, I, I'm sorry that I, I doubt you. I, I'm sorry I worry when, you know, you've come through on such big things for me. But we as humans, we, um, we, we don't want to turn Jesus into a magician that, hey, just come wave your wand and, and fix my life. But sometimes we accidentally do that. And here we see that, that Jesus is looking for more than that. 
And I don't know if you, you were one of those people you've ever read through some of these Old Testament passages and come across this phrase, seek my face. But that's what the phrase is getting to. There's many places. We're going to look at several. This uh, I, I may do a week or two on this teaching. We'll see. But, um, you know, we, we read, you know, you think about in a very familiar passage, Second Chronicles. 714. I was talking about this two weeks ago in my sermon, but it's very, very well-known passage. It's a revival passage. Let me read verse 14, but it has this phrase, seek my face. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. And so right there in the midst of that, you know, we could stop and teach this passage and completely skip over the phrase. You know, I I think there's been times where I quoted that passage. I didn't even quote that part. I forgot that it said in the midst of that, seek my face. Now the phrase seek my face is several times found in the book of Psalms. And I remember one day I was like, Lord, I, I want to understand what does this mean? And, um, I actually, the first time I got a real clue, I was listening to a Christian worship song. I think it was a Big Daddy Weave song. I can't remember for sure, but it said that phrase. I want to, no, maybe it's a Casting Crown song, but it's talked about seeking God's face, not just his hand. And immediately like, oh, so what we're talking about is being in his presence and enjoying him for who he is and honoring him for being God without just having to have stuff. And it made me think of how many times I've called my dad because he can fix just about anything. And I didn't really want a long conversation. I really didn't want to say, how, how is your week going, dad? You know, what's going on in your life? I just want to know, okay, this check engine light or something is going on with my car. Tell me how to fix it. I'm busy. You know, I mean, that's horrible to say, and I know my kids probably have done that to me, but the reality is sometimes we're so wrapped up into our own lives that when we call our parents or we're talking, being with them and enjoying their presence and, and being a friend of God like Abraham, that's not really what we're interested in. We're just trying to get something fixed and, and uh, then we'll move on from there. But I think it's important to slow down to read some of these scriptures about seeking Jesus's face, seeking God's face. And to do it, if it's something that God desires, um, I think that it's very important that we take note. There is something in our hearts, in our spirits as human beings that that causes us to, to do crazy stuff. Think, think about the people, you know, who have climbed Mount Everest. You know, they made a movie based on a real story uh, several years ago, and you know, like half the people in the movie die because they ran out of oxygen, they went too high, they went too far, and then they, you know, like why do why do people do that? It's cold up there. there there's something in the human heart that's we're looking for something. You know, people who know better um, get involved in the drug world, the gang world, the you know, I, I'm sure in all kinds of organized crime, and they they knew better. And they may have been raised in church. You, you have musicians who 
were raised in church and now they sing inappropriate songs and they dress in an inappropriate way that, that would probably shame their family in so many ways who are still religious. Why, why do we get off? And it's easy to point fingers at stuff like that. We, we all have our own things, but there's something in our human spirit looking I mean, why did they, they got this James Webb telescope, right? And uh, they, we have surpassed the Hubble telescope. Now we're getting pictures sent back to Earth from the James Webb telescope. Why are we spending billions of dollars looking out into the galaxy? And I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong, but um, I did hear one scientist just flat out say they are looking for intelligent life in the universe. Um, but, but what is it? There's, it's like humanity, we're always seeking something. We're always looking for, for something. And then we, we find that thing that we thought we had to have, and it's not enough, you know? And I, I remember we had a bunch of pastors in Cedar Rapids gathered together for a meeting, and um, the local Christ, or, um, Christian Counseling Center, it's, it's called Keys for Living, and, and the director and the founder of that ministry was the speaker that day. So he's a Christian and he, he's probably, he's preached at his local church a few times to fill in, but he's, he's a counselor. He does one-on-one -on -one counseling with people and he's, you know, he's in his sixties and he's, uh, he's got his, I don't know if he has his PhD or not, but he, he's just spent his whole life helping people and one-on-one -on -one work through their problems and, and find spiritual uh, and mental health. And so he, the two times I've heard him speak, I've just been floored, you know, because his messages are incredible. But I never forget, the first time I heard him speak, he was talking about this, this millionaire. Actually, I'm not sure the guy was a millionaire yet, but he, he was like in his late 20s and his goal was to, to make a million dollars by age 30 or whatever. And I, he didn't disclose what this guy did for a living or anything like that. But you know, that, that was really, that guy, he... Uh, that was um, um, Dr. Hunter was um, counseling. He, his purpose in life was that million dollars. It wasn't really, hey, I'm trying to help people with my job or I, I'm focused on my career. The career was a means to the end. His goal, his purpose, his the thing he was pursuing was he wanted to be a millionaire. And so the uh, the counselor um, he he conveyed to us. Through the years, he as he was meeting one on one with this guy, he be, he did it and he became a millionaire. And he remembers that that guy, it just had such an incredible sense of emptiness. He he had his million dollars, and then as he he kept in contact with him, he I, I don't know by age forty he had ten million dollars. <laughs> and as some of you are listening to this and like. You think, wow, you know, to be 40 and to have, you know, have 10 million sitting in a bank because of something, I mean, that would satisfy me, you know? And we hear that and we, we covet that guy's story. But I'm telling you, this counselor who spent time with him, you know, he looked out at all of us pastors and said, this guy was empty. Not only was he empty, he, he was so broken because he had based the foundation of his happiness on these goals and he reached them and then, and then he exceeded them. It's not just a million, he's got 10 million bucks. He has exceeded his goal 
and he's just as miserable. <laughs> and and you hear this guy, and you're like, I am pretty sure that if I someone gave me ten million dollars right now, I would not be miserable for a while. <laughs> you know, I, I would like to try it, right? You know, that's kind of our thought. I, I, let me try that, Lord. You know, just to see. <laughs> but I take from um, the, this this counselor, this um, Doctor Hunter is his name, I believe. It is true that we pursue these things, we find them, but if it's not the Lord, it's probably not going to satisfy us. So what is it that our heart is actually seeking? If it's not money, if it's not success, if it's not the perfect friend, if it's not, you know, what, what is it that is hardwired into our spirit's DNA that we're really looking for? Could it be, as sprinkled throughout the Bible, this phrase seek God's face, that when we find his face, we'll actually find fulfillment, we'll actually find purpose, we'll actually find meaning of the thing that we've been seeking. Don't, don't we want to find something that satisfies? Don't we want to drink from a well? It's, it's living water. It's, it's a well that we, we don't have to go anywhere else ever again looking for happiness, satisfaction, that it's all in Jesus. Well, let, let's read some of these verses because there's so many beautiful ones. Let's start with, with Psalm 27, verse eight. I don't think we'll probably get to all these, so maybe we'll have a part two. Maybe we have a part two on this. Now you go to the book of Psalms. This is where the phrase, it's, it's probably used more than anywhere else um, in the Bible, any other book. There's a few places and David was a lover. David was a worshiper. I'm not sure all of these come from David, um, but this, these first two that we're going to look at come from David. But Psalm 27, now if, you, if you're familiar with Psalm 27, let's read, I have done a podcast. I'm almost positive on, yes, I know I have on these earlier verses. So if you go to Psalm 27, it's cool because he, you know, he starts off talking about uh, in verse two, there's wicked people advancing against me. So David had lots of times where he was under attack. People were trying to get at him. And he says in verse three, even if an army is besieging me, my heart won't fear because, you know, God is with me. But then he says this beautiful, poetic, intimate verse four, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty. Now, it doesn't say, it's not gonna say for a few verses the phrase, seek his face. But notice this is capturing the concept of what it means to seek God's face, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. We're not talking about getting protection from God. We're not talking about getting wealth from God or, or some kind of material possession. This is talking about being with him. It's talking about worshiping him. It's really setting us up for verse eight because we jump down to verse eight and he says, David says this, he says, my heart says of you, seek his face, your face Lord, will I seek? Now, I want to tie this in here. Whether you have a goal of making a million dollars or $10 million, you have a goal, you meet people. I, I don't know that I'm necessarily that way. I think I used to be. I think I used to in ministries. Like, well, I, I want to uh, plant so many churches. I want to see, you know, by age 40, I have these goals, you know. And 
Uh, of course, now I'm 43, and so a lot of things that I had set my heart on, and, and I don't know that I wrote these goals down, but I'll, you know, very few of them have I accomplished. And that can be depressing, but what if what we were always really looking for, the real treasure, wasn't any of those things? And what if we could take a moment and step back and realize, you know, the thing my heart has always been looking for, David says, my heart says, seek his face. See, our flesh wants money. Our flesh wants fame. Look, this guy is 30 years old and he's done this, 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 this. You know, our heart wants attention. Our heart wants the world to say, good job, you're amazing. You know, or sorry, sorry, sorry. Our flesh wants those things. Our flesh wants those things. But what is it that our heart is really looking for? What if it's simply God? What if it's his presence and seeking his face? And what if we found that, that out of that, out of that security, out of that uh, connection, that communion with God is the basis for our happiness, the basis for our existence, then yeah, we go on and we do some things. Maybe we even become a millionaire, but our heart's not attached to it. That's not who we are. That's not our identity. Our identity is I'm a child of God. I am a worshiper of God. And, um, you know, because that's how we're going to spend all eternity. And I believe that if you study scripture, what we discover is we really were made to worship. You know, when I think of Psalm 27, 8, that my my heart says, seek your face. Go go to Psalm 42 for a minute. I may have done a podcast on this. I can't remember. But in Psalm 42, by the way, this was Barbara's favorite psalm. Some of you listening that knew Barbara. They had this on her, um, uh, the handout at the funeral, but um, I was going to teach from it a little bit, but they said, you know, it's, it's printed there, and I don't know what part of this was her favorite. I want to look at verse 7. What does this mean? Actually, let's look at look verse 6, because this is not David writing this, but whoever's writing this, they're struggling with feeling down maybe feeling worthless. Maybe they've lost a battle. Maybe they lost a loved one. They're feeling defeated in their soul. So it says in verse six, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the Mount uh, Mizrah. Now here's verse seven. This is what I want you to look at that connects to Psalm 27, eight. Seek his face from your heart. My heart says, seek your face. Verse seven here says, deep calls to deep. What is that talking about? In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Well, I think when it says deep calls to deep, what it is saying is there's something deep within us that we neither are aware of most of the time and we're not taught it. We're not trained. Now, the verse, verse six says, my soul is downcast, but this this worshiper turns and, and says, my soul is downcast, but there, there is hope because there's something deep within me that knows something's missing. Now, now this may sound like an evangelistic message. You know, you know, Billy Graham would stand up and many times say, there's a hole in your heart that can only be filled by God. That's true. But I am convinced this is not just a salvation come to Jesus message that many, 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 many Christians, we get saved, we get born again. And I think for many years, I tried to fill 
my sense of, of, you know, not necessarily knowing who I was, what my purpose was with being a pastor. I'm going to do stuff for God. And, and God, you know, because I'm serving you, I expect you to do this, this, and this. I was seeking his hand. And, you know, and just like when I'd call my dad because I needed my car fixed, I, I needed some results here. And I would justify my lack of prayer and worship and intimacy with God by things like, hey, you know, I'm, do, I'm doing ministry. God, you need to help me. <laughs> And, but, and then thinking that, oh, if the church was doing good enough, if the budget was doing good enough, if there was enough people coming, finally, oh, now there's 200 people coming and I feel really good about myself. Oh, but then within six months, I'm like, well, that's not enough. You know, there's still that whole, what is it that our heart, there's something deep within us calling out. Well, we're calling out for God. And I want to just close this podcast by um, teaching you a very literal way to seek God's face. You may have seen pictures in your church or in your home growing up. Uh, Our church back at Bethel, a Christian church, uh, had a very um, famous picture of Jesus kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it showed you the profile side of his face. And for years, uh, when I would close my eyes and pray and I would try to seek his face, I would just try to see that picture. I think there's something to this. I really, really do. Um, it says, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter five in the Beatitudes. And the reason I think that I, w- I was taught this in Bible college in a discipleship class, we were handed a picture of Jesus and then we were taught to meditate on his face. And the reason I'm more convinced than ever that there's actually something to this. One time when I was in deep fasting and prayer seeking God, uh, Melanie, and I was just going to bed. This was, oh, 10 years ago at least, um, where I had this real special encounter. But Melanie was reading in bed, and I was just laying there waiting to go to sleep. I think the light was still on. I hadn't, hadn't turned it off yet. But I was praying, and, you know, I remember being weary and, and hungry. Um, but I also remember I just about to fall asleep. I had my eyes closed, just even though the light was on. Melanie hadn't um, quite gotten ready for bed, but as she was reading there, but I remember just for maybe two incredible seconds, I saw the face of Jesus. It, it was a flash. It was there for a moment. <laughs> and I hadn't actually looked at, you know, a picture of him in a while. But I just felt like the Lord was hinting to me, Caleb, you haven't been seeking me uh, to fix something in your church or to fix something in your life. You've just been hungering and fasting because you wanted more of me. And I just felt like he, he gave me that two second, boom, his face was right there. It was so precious, beloved. It was, oh, I, I hope, uh, when I hear stories like this, it just makes me hungry to want to be with God more. But I, I hope that that'll do that with you because that, that is, you know, because near the verse where he says um, that the few, um, the pure in heart will see God, he also says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. That's Jesus. Hungering and thirsting for Jesus, he is righteousness. He alone satisfies. Let's pray. Father, there might be someone listening to this who they don't, they don't even believe they have a reason to be here anymore. There might be somebody listening to this who 
never thought about the difference between seeking your face and seeking your hand. Please forgive us for the times when we were just seeking your hand. It never, ever satisfies long-term. But God, there is purpose, there is joy, there is love, there is real meaning and satisfaction for the heart that says, even if God doesn't show up with his power and his might and he doesn't answer my prayers the way I want him to, his hand doesn't come and help me, I'm still gonna seek his face because his presence and who he is, he's worthy. And, and Christ remind us that the cross, if you never do anything else for us, you've done the cross. You've rose Jesus from the dead. We have eternal life. We have an inheritance with you forever. Remind us of those things. But God, I'm asking right now for the one who has that sense of emptiness that you would speak to them and you begin to reveal your face to them and reveal to them how to seek your face. Your, their heart is saying, Psalm 27, 8, their heart is saying, seek his face. God bless you. Have an incredible week. We'll do part two of this next week, Lord willing. On the frequency of heaven, I want to be on the frequency of Christ. I wanna